0: For you, the door into Aslan's country is from your own world. There is a way to Aslan from our world, too.
1: Welcome to Talking Beasts
0: from NarniaWeb.com,
1: where we explore the world of C.S. Lewis and keep a
2: watchful eye
0: on the latest Narnia movie news. This
2: is Talking Beasts. Welcome to the season finale of Talking Beasts, everyone. I'm still Glumpuddle.
1: And I'm Jim Fan,
0: And I am still Rillian.
2: We did it, guys. We've reached the fourth and final episode of BBC's The Voyage of the Dawn Treader TV miniseries.
1: What a roller coaster this has been.
2: <laughs> Something like that. You know, kind of a lower budget roller coaster where there's a lot of pretty decorations that doesn't actually go that fast. Not, not
0: entirely safe roller coaster. <laughs>
2: Not safe, but is it good? Is, that's what we're here that, to discuss today. Oh. <laughs> so episode four, uh, I like what we did in the last one where we started with uh, kind of best and worst of the episode. but uh, I think before we, before I get to that, let's uh, we ended the previous episode with a little bet about how <laughs> the Dark island uh, would kind of unfold.
0: You must stand the ship around Give her full sail.
1: We must get away. <laughs> I'll pull for your lives! You may say what you like, there are some things no man can face. Can hear you.
0: It's like a huge pair of scissors opening and shutting, getting closer and closer to my body. This is, this is, this is. Listen! Listen! I can, I can hear them scuttering up the sides of the ship. Oh no, they come.
2: One of you said it's gonna go, it's gonna unfold underneath the credits the whole time. I think it was you, Jim Fan, right? I
1: think I did say that.
2: And then really, and what you were saying that um, it'll just be very checkbox, go through it really quick. So yes. first off, Jim Fan, it wasn't as bad as you feared. No, right?
1: it wasn't. It did not unfold entirely under the credits. I actually was quite. I was like, oh, the credits are done, and we're still here. <laughs> so. They're actually giving it some some space and some time. I was quite impressed.
2: Unlike the Sea Serpent Unlike It all took place underneath credits. So that was the new bar that episode three set was, oh can we gosh. have a key scene not take not be over with in the opening credits? <laughs> but you, Rillian, really, you were saying it's going to be checkbox, 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 which a lot of BBC kind of tends to go lean that direction uh did you feel the dark island that that's what it was
0: uh, so yes the dark mist uh basically came oh in my gosh it was a mist like, they, oh, the dark PTSD. mist comes in and uh they include a few of the lines oh it's settling on the mast and they say that the giant over, and over, scissors. And over and over and over <laughs> again uh-huh. and basically this kind of took the everyone just goes crazy Root instead of yeah. yeah, like like nothing's actually happening. They're just all losing their minds. So
2: it, it very definitively says they're just hallucinating, opposed to the book where it's a little more ambiguous.
0: Yes, in the book, it's it's more of a you just know what they're experiencing here. Right. You don't really get their experience. You're sort of like an outsider looking. we we're, we're watching from the outside yeah. in the movie, yeah. yeah. Or BBC. And yeah. it has some of the lines like the giant scissors bit from Eustace, and, uh-huh. and then it's just this sort of. Yeah, checkbox who's like, oh, Albatross comes in and then Lucy's holding a bow for some reason. Yeah. And, oh, you destroyed it. I don't think it was us. Cut to the next bit. You know, like, <laughs> See, <laughs> no reflection here Exactly. He just says, like, they couldn't
2: even cut to, like, Roop says, you've destroyed it. Which, by the way, okay, so not surprisingly, I guess they're sticking with the original British ending of, of this, which has the Dark Island being destroyed. Roop says, you've destroyed it. They can't even, like, cut to just a shot of empty ocean. They, they, they can't even yeah. do that. Like, what? And which I guess leads to me to kind of what I had kind of said, where I was slightly optimistic about uh, this scene. I was like, you know what? I know I said in the previous episode, come on, BBC. I know you have a limited budget, but you can handle invisible people, right? Uh, not so much. Okay, come on. They can handle darkness, <laughs> right? Come on. Uh, not quite. They, they did, in fact, change it to... A myth. that, that the characters are calling it darkness, but it's not. It's just a foggy day. That's all it is. It's just fog. That's yes. all it is. Just... And I don't understand. I, I understand conceptually why it's hard to say it's not just like a mist. It's a blackness. I understand it's a hard thing to get across. But couldn't they just? Is it that hard to just wipe some black on the screen? Yeah. Would that be sati- <laughs> w- Would that be satisfying? No, it wouldn't be. But it's something. Yeah, I was disappointed with that. Part of it was the PTSD of I kept being reminded of. I can't believe both versions turned Dark Island into a mist. Uh, so it took me a while to kind of get past that. Uh, I will say that, really, and you mentioned, oh, they, they check box and have some of the lines in there. Yes and some no. Them, they
0: don't even really have the conversation where, like I, it's like they have half the conversation where Caspian basically says to Cheap, there's some things no man can face. And I'm thinking, like, well, Reep didn't actually say anything. So. Right. And they don't have... The awesome
2: response to that from the book, where Reaper Cheap says, It is then my good fortune not to be a man. Yes,
1: yeah, like they boom, also changed.
2: Yeah, I love that line in the book. There's a, there's a couple of Reaper Cheap lines in this episode, actually, they changed. Uh, in this scene in the book, Reaper Cheap shouts out when they hear Roop screaming, and he says, If you are an enemy, we don't fear you. If you are a friend, your enemies will be taught the fear of us. I love Reaper <laughs> Cheap so much. He's so cool. In the BBT, they change it to, If you are a friend, come to us. As opposed to
1: not,
0: I know <laughs> that's not a budgetary restriction. Okay, I know, know. there's a few. I'll, I'll get to it later, but there's a few things like that where it's like, it's like they just got in a big hurry, and that. But that one doesn't even make sense. I will say there's
2: aspects of the Dark Island scene I kind of liked. I thought the sense of you catastrophe with the albatross coming through. I did feel something a little bit that the absolute hopelessness, aided by the music, probably, uh, and then when the cartoon albatross came in. I did feel some sense, some sense of oh, the reversal of now. There's some hope here, so I thought that emotionally that worked for me a little bit. So I don't think <laughs> like it was a total. The for so, that
0: albatross. So was in this super scene, weird. emotionally, it worked for me a little bit. I did feel something. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, like the like the mostly dead Wesley in the Princess Bride.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's worth acknowledging. Like I wouldn't acknowledge it if it if it wasn't large enough to be worth mentioning on on the episode like i did feel a little bit of oh that reversal i don't hate this as much as you do i was disappointed there was some checkbox aspects of it but um i also thought there was just a little bit of genuine creepiness like with when oh yeah coming out of the water and stuff
1: and i think sometimes it's like the sometimes the low budgetness can add to the realism because for me in my whatever you know child of the 90s experience
2: whatever child of the 90s what
1: you know um basically I, sometimes it's e- easy to be like desensitized to special effects so you see something yeah. that looks just really incredible and you're like oh well, that's not real so it's like whatever it, it doesn't affect me in any way mm-hmm. but then when something is so you it it looks very real to life but then they add mm-hmm. just a tiny bit of a weirdness to it like like groups screaming and you're like oh gosh what the heck is going on here
0: Where are you? On the shore
1: Come aboard and welcome Captain Thank you Rince Bring her about Heave to Your Majesty Rince
0: Come aboard
1: It kind of leaves a lot of it to the imagination, which, you know, it's it's budget friendly, but it also can be effective.
2: Right. Okay. well, maybe we'll come back to some Dark Island stuff uh, later on, but let's go on to our best and worst stuff. And I think I'll start with you, Rillian, actually. Give me your uh, do try very hard to give me a best (laughs) for this episode. Yes. And then and then
0: a worst. So which do you want first? Let's go with best first. Best first I is gonna be Warwick Davis for me. Mm-hmm. There's really two moments, two bits of acting for him that I, I really like because there's it's easy to overact a lot of the roles in this, especially the Reapy Cheap role, because he's a larger-than-life character. Uh so it's easy to do kind of an overacting bit and to be appropriate. But I really and he does some uh in some bits I earlier in this, but the two parts I like the best where he kind of downplays uh, it's just a very calm resolute
1: have you nothing to say
0: why your majesty what is there to be said my own plans are made
1: while I can I shall sail east on the dawn treader
2: when she fails me
1: I paddle east in my coracle when she sinks I shall swim east with my four paws when I can swim no longer if I have not yet reached Aslan's country then I shall sink with my
2: nose to the sunrise. It could have been very dramatic. He could have said that very loudly. Well, I can I sail east. I'll sink with my nose to the sunrise.
0: Yeah, he could have done the rousing speech a bit, but I like the way he played it. Uh, and I like he does a similar bit where he counters Caspian, and Caspian's kind of giving a rah-rah moment, and basically Reapy Jeep just calmly explains. And, and what I like about it is it comes fr- it kind of conveys that Reapy Cheap knows himself, knows his own mind and is fully aware of himself and the con- greater context and what's going on. And mm-hmm. he knows what he is about and he knows his purpose, which is very much in line with the book. And I thought those were two moments of acting in this that just stood out for me because it would have been very easy to kind of do a, and I shall, like you said, I shall sink with my nose to the sunrise, and, you know, kind of do this little dramatic bit
2: and you know i'll say that i i, I was slightly disappointed with that delivery just because i always imagined it as this huge eh, dramatic line but i do see what you're saying I, I i do uh with uh him playing kind of underplaying it and maybe in some ways it is more powerful for him that reaper chief to just be this is just a fact this is just this yeah. is just how it is uh, yeah. rather than it, maybe that's a little more powerful in having it be rousing i think
0: the way i the way he plays it for me is like there's some things that are like new like the revelation oh the water is sweet you know he gets excited the water is sweet you know because that's new to him but the idea of him continuing to go east that's not new that's yeah that's that's old news to him that has been maybe his whole life in some ways yes his whole Mm life yeah
2: i'd say the biggest revelation for me of what rewatching these is wow work davis is like legitimately a good repeat cheap. like like what if they'd had the? what if they'd been making a movies at the time with today's technology and maybe he'd been able to like you know voice and to some extent mocap repeat he could have really done a really great uh realization of repeat cheap and as it is i wonder if even his portrayal having really watched this properly for the first time in a while, it might make its way into my mind a bit next time I reread the book. Mm. Uh, yeah, like it I don't really is a good repeat Cheap.
0: I genuinely like, because in the same way that, not so much in this episode as much, but I genuinely like Samuel West as Caspian. Yeah, I do too. Um, and I like, I like Warwick Davis as Reepy Cheap, and I felt he had been should have been highlighted a little more or given more opportunities with dialogue, but uh, his acting still stands out. That was kind of a highlight for me. The worst thing I would say about this episode is uh, just the editing and pacing. Yeah. I, I hate this to be so broad, <laughs> but enough, I though. say that because it's consistent. It's in every scene. It's in, whether it's Dark Island, whether it's Ramandu's Island, whether worst, it's the sailing through the lilies, whether it's the, the very end of the film or the TV series, whatever we call it. Boy, it's this really, really fast, fast pacing. It doesn't give me time to breathe.
2: There's that bit where uh, they, you know, Romandu has kind of explained a lot, a lot of stuff, and. All of a sudden, the crew of the Dawn Treader has just returned, and they don't, they don't, agno- they don't acknowledge Mandu or anyone. They're just dragging poor Roop for no reason, <laughs> yeah. uh, unconscious, yeah. and they just they don't acknowledge Romandu at all. It's just like, sire, should we really go east? And what about poor Roop? And it's just, yeah, so it's not that, oh, they're cutting out our favorite it, stuff from so the book. Fast, it's just
0: It's really unrealistic. If you step back for just a second, and you look, you think... This, this dialogue makes no sense. It really uh-huh. doesn't. It really makes no sense the way that anyone's like looking at things and sort of like, oh, boom, here's a, there's a person and oh, here's a woman and here's, here's these guys. And Cody pointed this out in the Facebook group, you know, Romandu
2: and all of them are like saying, oh, by the way, we're stars and all these amazing concepts of him being a star at rest. And the, again, the characters don't seem all that amazed. They're just kind of like,
0: Oh, okay. Moving on. <laughs> it, it kind of one of the best lines, because it, and it explains in the book, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't take that long. I just can say they were so rushed. Like, I would have almost rather them make a change, find Rupert another way, and cut out Dark Island to, to get the time, you, you, or cut uh-huh. out the Sea Serpent to get the time. Yeah. You know, to, to mm-hmm. just elaborate on some of these points, because one of the best lines, and I reference it all the time in real life, is where, you know, Yusuf says, well, in our world, the star is a giant ball of flaming gas, and Ramandu says, well, even in your world, that's not what a star is. That's what a star is made of, which uh, asks a lot of metaphysical questions about life. But yeah, so there's just little things like that. That's just like I'm like I'm looking for these bits, and I think in my memory because I've heard the family radio theater dramas, mm-hmm. there's certain lines I'm kind of waiting for, like oh, here comes this great line, and no. yeah, and <laughs> it's
2: not just, but I obviously there's an aspect of the fast pacing where it's oh they're cutting out these great things I remember from the book, but but more importantly, what you pointed out is that there's just things that it doesn't quite make sense, and especially people's reactions just don't quite make sense when you just speed through it the way they did and, um, and I have
0: an example of this when we get to the when we're talking about the ending I have a uh, good example of this I'm gonna, yes, dem- I'm a great gonna example. do a demo <laughs> yes. oh C-Bus. boy
1: oh no
2: I think the most egregious uh, example of fast pacing in this is you know Aslan turning into the sail and talking to Caspian and just like
0: it, it's so weird email, it's he's
2: like... kind of he just kind of email this is when Caspian. yeah
0: he like down,
1: <laughs> downloads the information in his brain
2: for the spell to work one mistake
1: and i am that one will no one silence that mouth?
0: prince caspian prince caspian hear me
2: has been with you
1: (laughs) and his words were terrible You are to go reap. And you, Edmund,
0: Lucy, and Eustace. Bling! Oh, just got a text from Aslan. (laughs) I am very disappointed in you. Oh, his words are terrible. (laughs) So This is Caspian trying to abdicate,
2: and uh, instead of, like, storming off and having a private moment with Aslan like it is in the book, Aslan just becomes the sail. And then casting like and then he like, says this, he says that, he says that, and oh, but did he say what's going to happen in the future? Oh uh-huh. yes. So we got a quick montage of all the stuff that's it's gonna so happen weird. in the future. It's very yeah. weird.
0: It's a very weird, like little blurb into the unhappiest future. Like,
1: looking like wedding I've ever seen. <laughs> well,
0: and she has to wear the same stupid hat her dad and, has. And, and you hear this this
2: cheering sound effect. Is that supposed to be the Dawn Treader? It sounds like it's about 500 people cheering. I know. <laughs> Is that, and that's supposed to like, be the Dawn Treader crew? Well, and then when the
0: crew shows At up, i how many crew members are on this Dawn Treader? Because there were <laughs> a lot more when they landed the Lone Islands. Now it's like four people
2: left. <laughs> They had like five hundred slaves rowing at the bottom. I guess it's so you, it's you like never every you every it.
1: island. They lost a couple to natural causes. <laughs> it's and like though. the Odyssey, this or is all something. Left.
0: <laughs> no, like some got turned into sheep. Some got eaten by a cyclops or something. <laughs> oh
1: my god! No,
0: so here's something I gotta say. I did like with this. I know that the theme song for this episode is it's overused a lot. Oh, yeah, it's a overused. You're welcome. It's simplistic. <laughs> But, but it works I actually well. do think it it overall works pretty well. It is overused. I do like it. It's one of the better bits of music. And the part where I thought it works best was the bit where Ramandu comes out. It actually kind of makes it work.
2: Even Cody liked the music in this, and he is actually... Cody generally doesn't like the music, uh, but liked the, the music in here, so I thought that was interesting. Okay, Jim Phan, uh let's start with your best thing in this episode.
1: So, okay, so my best thing, uh, kind of to piggyback off of what we were just talking about, I actually, I really did like the actor for Ramandu. I... Like the the whole like Romandu's island is kind of uneven for me in that like the first bit like prior to Romandu actually showing up is kinda like meh. It it just like Again does so not flow well. Yeah. I know. Once he shows up, even like it has that big dramatic, like kinda cheesy entrance. Like lowkey kinda loved it. And <laughs> and he has like the proper like gravita and demeanor of like how I imagine uh, Jeffrey
2: Jeffrey Belden yeah. Jeffrey Baledon is the actor.
1: Every morning, a bird brings me a fireberry from the valleys in the sun, and every fireberry takes a little of my age. When I am as young as a child that was born yesterday, I shall take my rising again,
0: and once more trade the great.
1: It adds to like that mysterious unknown, which in the book I loved. Like I love like the third act of Don Shredder, which is, you know, the ending, that whole like that whole bit. I love it because it's not like the rest of the book doesn't have a lot of like fantastic things because it does, but there's something about you know, like you're at the very end of the world and then you're traveling beyond. And it's, it's, I just, I love it. Like that's honestly one reason why I love Don Treader. Just, I I love that aspect of it. So I thought that like, I really enjoyed that. I kind of got that feeling from that bit of the episode.
2: Yeah. There's so many things in the book. Uh, There's so much weird stuff and uh, other worldly stuff at the end of Don Treader. Like every time I read it, I'm always, there's always a few things. I'm like, Oh, I forgot about this. There's, a ton of time on Lucy seeing uh, the sea people. There's that one she sees where if ever they meet again, they'll read each other as friends. And there's that song they hear where um, it doesn't make them feel sad, but it it doesn't make not happy either. Exactly. There's and of course there's a the whole stuff with the sun seems to be getting brighter, which they do here with the overexposure. I mean, <laughs> there's so much stuff, so much weirdness. It has this sort of fever dream uh, blurriness to it.
1: My worst was basically the entire end. Like, as soon as they left Romandu's Island to the end, which was all of, what, five minutes? Not e- mm-hmm. I, it, That's what it felt like. <laughs> um, it, uh-huh. it's, it's just so disappointing just how quick it goes.
0: Will you tell us how to get to your country from our world? When the moment comes, you will know but now I will open the door in the sky and send you back to your own land. Are we have to come back to Narnia?
1: Lucy, you
0: and your brother will never come back to Narnia. You're too old. Back to your own world with you. <sighs>
1: so bad it's so oh, weird it's so disappointing and they're like did that really happen because honestly if it'd been me i'd i had been like yeah no there's no way that
0: happened
2: so what what was your guys's reaction to uh not them not having the line here uh there there i have another name
0: i hate it i forgot that this cut it out i hate it Ah, I just assumed like, oh, this is BBC. I, I, at I least have something
2: be- to say. Some of you are listening to this and you're jumping up and down. And you want to say something. Uh, I know, I know, but let's let Jim Finn and Rillian have their say and then I'll say it. Continue.
0: Well, it's like, how could the Walden version get something better on <laughs> being more faithful in dialogue than the BBC version? It's just kind of shocking because I thought, oh, at least the BBC version will have uh, be you know, faithful to a fault for the dialogue. But in this case, it's really not. Back to your own world with you.
1: <laughs> and you're banished. It's like they did something wrong. Yeah, like, I would
0: never come back. Nope. You're too old. Back to your own world with you.
1: Did it really happen?
2: <laughs> yeah. So you don't seem very happy about this either, Jim Fan.
1: No. I just. It, well, the whole thing is bad. So, I mean, the fact that one line is missing is hardly the most egregious sin, but. Yeah, it's it all sucks. And that is one reason why it sucks.
0: <laughs> There's your headline for the podcast episode. Okay.
2: Now, we're supposed to be reviewing these episode by episode. So, all of the criticisms you guys gave, we, that's completely valid. But uh, about six episodes from now, in the future, you will find this line at the end of Silver Chair. That's actually where they moved it uh, I know. in the BBC version. Oh, you I know. know that? I was okay. About gotcha. It. Okay. No, no, I
0: was thinking about it because I was like, because I remembered it made it into the. Silver chair, but I was like, that's weird. Did they put it in both? I was still expecting to see it in this one. So Cody said something
2: really interesting regarding, and obviously we'll talk about this in a lot more depth whenever we get to the silver chair. But Cody wrote, quote, as it is, they spend the whole voyage searching for Aslan's country and are then abruptly sent home without any new revelation without him. It would be an exaggeration to say that the voyage of the Dawn Treader was building up to that moment, but the silver chair wasn't building up to it at all. Um, I thought that was a really good point about its place in Dawn Charter. They come all this way and say, hi, and then that's it. They just leave after that. At least they don't even, even Dawn- say hi. They don't even say, oh, they- hi, Aslan. That's true, because when <laughs>
0: Aslan appears, there's no like, oh,
2: Aslan. It's oh, just like- you're the
0: sheep. It's- she just says, so are you going to tell us how to get to your world from our country?
2: <laughs> so, yes, it's just in terms of this story – Um, I understand, I guess they must have known they were going to stop with Silver Chair and they wanted to have that there at the end. But it was, and it can sort of... I guess you could say that you could see that they recognize the importance of that line and wanted to end on it. But it like, I think Cody makes a great point here. It makes a lot more sense at the end of Don Treader, where they've been searching for Aslan's country. And at the end, get this revelation about, Oh, this is why I was brought to Narnia. A question that was raised at the beginning of the series.
0: I, I think maybe I could modify. I mean, the editing does part of this. Maybe I can modify my worst too. A lot of the dialogue just doesn't really make sense in the moment. Like, when Repeat says, It's sweet. The watch is sweet. Remember what Drinian says? Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> he reaches her like, Mouse. And he yeah. just takes it. And he's like, This is just very, he's very so
1: cranky. Like, what is he up is with very that? very grumpy.
2: There is a lot. There's a lot of stuff in here that doesn't make sense, or doesn't it? Um, another a random comment from Cody. I just had to read right in the middle of a comment about something else. Cody said, "Incidentally, I never noticed how much clothing Reaper Cheap wears in this version. It's kind of weirding me out." <laughs> I have thought about that. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I just want. It was probably just because I. I would imagine though that costume, like that mouse suit. Without the little vest thing he has, I think that would look. It would look really dumb. It would so look I, really
0: I, weird. It would look like. It would look like a smaller, uh, you know, a smaller beaver. Yeah. Okay. So yes, <laughs> what did Ben Barnes call him? Like the like the, you know, the something beavers. Uh, he had some uh, well, term for it.
2: Jim Van called him the bowling pin. The, beavers? Bowling, the bowling pin beavers, beavers.
0: That was you. <laughs> that was me. The bowling pin credit. beavers. Thank It'd you. be like a little, you know, another bowling pin beaver.
2: Yeah, Ben Barnes, it was suffed beavers being clearly thrown from one AD to the other, which, hey, th- <laughs> that's the cut of BBC I want to see, whatever BB- whatever Ben was watching.
1: behind. By the way, guys, switch. if you haven't
2: seen the outtakes for the BBC versions, do yourself a favor. Go to YouTube right now and do a search for Narnia BBC outtakes. And the one with Mr. Beaver is one of the greatest things ever to happen to the Internet. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, man.
2: Okay, I think I've got my best and worst here. I'm actually going to say I, I recognize... Um what you said, Jim Fan, about you didn't like the ending of basically everything after they leave Romandus Island. And there's there's plenty of individual things in there I do hate, but I do appreciate the trippiness of it all. <laughs> it is or, for quite lack trippy. of a better word. Uh, I appreciate that. Like I don't know if the I don't think the overexposure really works. They they overexpose the camera to try to, you know, create the sense of, oh, the light's getting brighter. Uh, maybe if the characters acknowledged it, it could possibly work. But the fact that they don't makes me wonder, like, is there something wrong
0: with my monitor? That's or, like, what I thought the here? first
1: time it popped up. I was like, what is going on? And then and it's it happens like, like oh, within ten seconds.
0: Like there's yeah. one scene where it's just gradually, yeah. you know,
2: and what's weird is I guess they must have done it in camera, because there's sometimes it will like it gets brighter for one character, and then it cuts to another character, and it, it hasn't gotten bright yet. So it's really, yeah. so it it, it d- doesn't really work. But I, I just all I have to they do is
0: have Lucy come out. Oh, it's so bright! <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you would have That's gotten you, it. You know,
2: <laughs> but I don't know. I appreciate the weirdness. There is a silver lining, I guess, to this the fast pacing of a lily lining. Yes, there's a lily lining. <laughs> there's the lilies, and then the the water, and it's getting brighter and. It's just this sort of fever dream of weirdness washing over you, which the book is. This isn't as interesting as the book, obviously. In the fast pacing, if they would slow it down a bit, it wouldn't hurt one bit. But just and even just things like the the cartoon birds at Remandu's Island. You could say that's hokey, but I don't know. I just appreciate. I like I I appreciate the kind of. I wish I could find a better word than weird than just weirdness. But you would get to the end of the world, you would expect to find some just weird and incomprehensible things i the book i akin a lot to the ending of 2001 a space odyssey where it is this kind of things we're not quite meant to understand but you can kind of understand on some level it's the world's end of course we're not going to be fully able to kind of grasp we can kind of grasp the emotions behind it but there is this impenetrable quality to it
0: we're here then we've reached it
1: the end of the world What do you think it will be like? We go on and on, as though drawn by the strongest current.
0: Not so nice. If the world really has an edge, and we're getting close to it, why, that's how I've always imagined it. The world like a great round table, the waters of all the oceans pouring endlessly over the
1: edge.
2: It's like I I agree with all the points you guys are making. 100 percent i agree with the points you're making but i just somehow managed to like it a little bit in spite in spite of all that or at least to be able to appreciate it
0: i mean you could you could to a certain extent you could do the same thing with repeat cheap like i mean i can just tell that's a small person in in a uh, costume but it works (laughs) but well works enough yeah and so what i like is you know warwick davis doesn't seem like his acting he he believes what he's saying for all for the purposes of this film. Like he is Reapy cheap, and that's what I like about him. And I do like Samuel West. Um, I, it's kind of weird that like Edmund doesn't really have much to do. Oh, um, he does. He he does. Not, I I want to check the
2: book and see if this is the case in the book. But he is whenever they need a character to say something negative or or point out the obvious, yeah, sort it's of. always Edmund. Like in, in this one, it's like. What does he say? He's, I think he's the one that says, like, is this quest ever going to end?
1: (laughs) Oh, for it. If you look through the whole
2: series, whenever there's someone who has to, like, say, no, this would be bad, or there's something we should worry about, it's always, I I think,
0: I think in the book, he does stand up to Caspian and says, I'm not your subject. And I say, sure, sure, sure. which is awesome. (laughs) You know, which worked, you know, but,
2: right. But anyway, uh, My worst thing now, it was, um, I was just going to say, yeah, Aslan at the end, that whole thing of Aslan's in there for, I think, literally one or two shots. And then after coming all this way, I was going to say that someone took it from me, but maybe I'll just mention the whole bit that admittedly doesn't work great in the book, but it works even less, it's even more of a problem here is the whole, wait a minute, are we going to actually go to the world's end? These seas seems to me there's a prevailing wind in the late summer. After the new year, it will change we'll have sufficient wind to take us westward and home. Aye.
0: Aye, winds there may be. But by your leave, sire, if I was in command, I'd say winter here and begin the voyage home in March in spring and fine weather. And what will you eat while you winter here? Well, this table's filled with the king's banquet every day. That'd do fine.
1: That's for us. We go no further. All right. Stay.
0: What are we to do? There's mutiny in the air.
2: It's so funny. It's like, uh, um, Caspian I think it's Rince who's saying you know well we should winter here and then start the, vo- start the voyage home in March and then Caspian all defiantly is like and what will you eat and then, Ed- and then Edmund <laughs> yeah. over his shoulder is like oh well there's a king's banquet every day and then comes back to Rince. he's like that that'll do fine. That'll do fine. <laughs> I just imagine Caspian looking over at Edmund like, "Thank you,
0: thank you." <laughs> no, that's like, did hilarious. you see I'm like, what I was trying again, to go for? It falls here. to my complaint of the, the, the dialogue doesn't really make sense in the moment. <laughs> it's oh, uh, there's and a couple. Wow, there's a new banquet every day.
1: Yeah, i I don't think when I criticize the episode or whatever, or I, I'm not necessarily referring to like the budget or the acting. I honestly think the dialogue is what sinks this a lot.
2: Okay, I think uh is there any very specific thing you guys want to highlight here or can we go into kind of overall thoughts on this series? Cuz we think we've reached my uh, notes. The series
1: end here. Of course we'll have
2: room in the post show chatter for anything oh. we
1: else. Well, oh, I thought it was interesting that when Aslan is telling Caspian off, he calls him Prince Caspian, and I'm like, Why yes, is that? Yes, I noticed is that. It, I noticed I'm that. like, Is it because you need to tie this in and remind people that this is Prince Caspian in the Voyage of the Don Treader, or did you just forget that he's not Prince anymore?
0: I wonder if it was like an audio editing mix up. Like they get into post and they're going, Oh my goodness, we didn't record a line where he's saying the word King Caspian. No <laughs> one will notice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or you know, we could give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was talking down to Caspian a bit there and saying like remember you were just a prince and then i made you a king i don't uh, think they
0: put that much thought into the dialogue glum puddle i'm just gonna say
2: that's like, yeah i have the benefit of the doubt version of it there um <laughs> but uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they just kind of forgot <laughs> okay uh overall thoughts on the series uh really quick favorite actor everyone mine uh, undoubtedly would work davis um yeah like i said i think He's like, wow, legitimately a good reaper chief, and he might be somewhat in my mind the next time I read the book. Yeah, I think you agree, Rillian?
0: It'd be a toss-up for me between Samuel West or Warwick Davis. Probably Warwick Davis, just because I think... He makes the mouse costume not be such a problem. Wow, what an accomplishment. (laughs) I think I have to tilt it to him because there are parts where the dialogue or the way that they had the scene play out did them both a disservice. And I think warwick is able to shrug it off quicker and easier he's able to kind of like you know just shrug it off and you kind of move the scene along better
2: how about you jim favorite actor
1: i don't know i mean i really enjoy samuel west i think uh he does a great job as king caspian and uh yeah i i think he like in my mind he looks how i imagine king caspian to look so
2: Jim, your favorite character in the book is Eustace. Uh, Any parting thoughts on David Thwaites and uh, his performance as Eustace uh, just in general or as compared to Will Poulter in the Walden versions? Did David Thwaites live up to what you wanted your favorite character to be?
1: Everyone knows that I love Will Poulter as Eustace, so that's a very tough comparison. Um, I would say I appreciate David um, more in the Silver Chair adaptation. In Don Shredder, there are... Uh, there are parts where I'm like, yeah, that's that's super Eustacey. to see. But the thing is, is like he has like his episode. And then after that, he kind of disappears. So you don't really get to see him say much. Eustace in Walden has a little bit more of an impression, especially at the end, which I really appreciate. And I still think it's a massive shame that he never got a chance to do Eustace in the silver chair I would have loved to see that
0: you get more time on the character of on every character in the book and so little moments like Eustace trying at the sea serpent trying to fight the sea serpent yeah just little bits like that in the book that even though yes the character doesn't do as much get continue to build the character whereas you have to in this you don't really get
2: how about um, our favorite episode of the series, this four-part adaptation of The Voyage of the Dawn Treader?
0: I, I like number one. I like number two. Okay, well, that fits because Zeus is your favorite character.
1: But I also feel like it had the best like pacing.
0: I think I might agree with that because there's a lot – because they're trying to get in Episode 2, by the way,
2: for everyone listening, just Episode 2 is the whole undragoning thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. Yeah, so Episode yeah. 2 is the
0: undragoning. And here, I will say this about Episode 2. It's the first one where you feel like they're actually on a real island. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, this is a real island, and uh-huh. we don't just know where the feast is. Yeah. You know, we actually have to walk around yeah. it a bit.
2: Yeah, I think I would re- – yeah, it's definitely either one or two. I'd probably go with two, even though I don't love the – I don't know. Like, I – I I like that two is like a self-contained, it's the story of Eustace, and I appreciate that. But one is like, it's
0: got all the stuff with the Lone Islands. It's so great, and it just feels like a nice little start. Yes, I I like the Lone Islands bit. I feel like it does a good, I feel like one does a better job. If we're going to kind of divvy it up, one is really Caspian's episode, two is Eustace's episode, three is Lucy's episode, and then four is... whatever whatever for it is. nobody
2: <laughs> i'm kind of transitioning into kind of my last question here of what was this uh, better or worse than you remember and how has this kind of changed our perspective on these these are way more fast-paced than i remembered um i i kind of thought oh yeah prince caspian that's the one that was so off the rails fast-paced and in my mind Don trotter was actually pretty good and i saw i still think the first episode well-paced second one it is too fast, but it's not too it's bad. It's really more the ending that's too fast. It's Just the so. ending is ridiculous, but up to that point, it's 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 okay, and it is it's it's well paced in terms of it's the story of Eustace. Then three is just it's so bad how fast it is. It just ruins every scene, and then so much of the last episode is ruined as well.
1: Yeah, Don Treader should have been six on its
0: own. It would have been so much better. That's why. That's another reason why Silver Chair is yeah. so much better.
2: Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing it again because, uh, uh, wow, I don't remember it as clearly as you guys do. And of course, it has my favorite character in it. Um, so, overall, this is the first uh, going, re- you know, last few years revisiting these again and also doing it for the first time episodically. And in some ways, doing it for the first time, I feel like really watching it as opposed to watching it with a bunch of Narnie Webers and kind of watching it, but kind of making fun of it and kind of eating popcorn <laughs> and, you know, this is the first one that is definitely worse than I thought of it before. I agree. Um, I, like, dun, dun, dun. like, I never <laughs> I lo- like Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I never liked it. I still don't like it, but there's aspects of it I app- I p- grew to appreciate after seeing it again. Caspian, I already knew that was terrible. And yeah, it was still pretty bad seeing it again. This is the first one I'm like, man, I remember kind of liking this. And I really don't like it anymore. If there was heart, which I think there probably was, though, it just got completely choked out of it because of the need to be efficient.
0: And it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder about, like, uh, I mean, we live in a day where, you know, you get your director's cut. Then you get your alternate director's cut. Then you get your, you know, second AD director's cut. Then you get your, you know. (laughs) And then the the fans make their own at it. You (laughs) You get your Snyder cut. And, and, you know, it makes you wonder. I kind of wonder how much footage ended up on the cutting room floor that maybe would have solved some of these problems. Mm Mm-hmm. That's we true. Never
1: we'll never know.
2: Yeah. I I, yeah, I suspect there was. Call your we'll buddy see. to
0: us to say, hey, did you guys really cut out all those great lines? Maybe <laughs> we'll get
2: the you know, fiftieth anniversary director's cut.
1: Oh boy.
2: <laughs> With the extra footage. Uh Jim Fan, how has your kind of memory and perspective on this Don Shredder series changed as a result of this most recent viewing? Is it better or worse than you remember?
1: It's worse than I remember. Oh, um, what a shame. But not like gym
0: fan, too.
1: (laughs) I feel like I thought I liked this one a lot more than I actually do. Now, what will be really interesting is when we go into silver chair, because I actually do have a very strong feeling that I like that one the most out of all of them. And find it very worthwhile. So if I go back and watch it and it does not live up to expectations, I'm going to be very disappointed.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> now, with Silver Chair, we don't have a big screen movie to compare it to.
1: That's true. So I though can... in
2: this case, that probably helped BBC having that big screen movie to compare <laughs> it to. But oh, boy, there wasn't that much in here. I was just like offended by It was just things I was annoyed by. Like, oh, I can't believe they rushed through that. And it wasn't like I felt like they were disrespecting the source material per se.
0: No, I don't think they ever really were. The the, the closest you could come to say they're disrespecting is not spending enough time on it. That's the closest you could ever come to saying it.
2: I don't hate it. I don't have an emotion like, oh, BBC. They're just not good. They're not offensively bad. They're just not good. But they're, they're not good, but they're not blasphemy. Take that what you will, BBC version. Take that as a compliment.
0: Oh, you, ad- you Glenn Pital, added a metric to my mind whenever I look at an adaptation, because you said, "Well, if because there's all the things we look about. Oh, are the characters true to the books? So are the is the storyline true to the books? So are the themes and maybe, for lack of a better term, spiritual undertones and con- consistent with the book?" And um, you said, "Well, here's something else you have to consider: if it's a good book, it has to be a good movie." And I thought, "Oh, that that's true." Uh, or a great book, it should be a great movie um, Or TV show So that's something I definitely Think about since you Opened my mind a little it's bit It's the more.
1: glum pedal metric, I like it
2: I wouldn't recommend it to anybody um, Who hasn't read the books Obviously, and I definitely wouldn't recommend this to anybody Who said, hey, um, I love to binge A fantasy series over the weekend What would you recommend? I'm not going to say Have you seen BBC's Voyage of the Dawn Treader? It's <laughs> oh great gosh. Yeah, no <laughs> So for me, as a Narnia fan, even though all the it's been mostly negatives these past few episodes, but I still get some enjoyment out of it. Um, Just as a okay, they filmed that scene and that actor's pretty good. Okay, whatever. Um, There's some fun to be had on a it's a fan film kind of level. But uh, there's few people I can actually recommend it to, though.
0: This series may still top the Lord of the Rings on Prime Series. We don't know yet. You're right. We'll find out. That's true. Never
1: say never.
2: All right. Well, I'm looking forward to getting to silver chair eventually whenever we do that. We still have, believe it or not, some more stuff to talk about in the post-show chatter we did not have time to get to in this main discussion. So if you want to hear more of us talking about the BBC's Voyage of the Dawn Treader, uh, click the link in the description. Thank you, Patreon supporters. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the outro and take us out. That's it for this season of Talking Beasts the Nerdy Podcast. From... Okay, keep doing that. You got it, Rillian. That's going to save me in editing. Uh, that's it for this season of Talking Beast, the Narnie podcast from NarniWeb.com. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes. Post a comment on narniweb.com or in the Talking Beast Facebook group. <laughs> Visit <Whoa>. Patreon.com slash <laughs> to support this podcast and increase our budget for getting music. <laughs> And get exclusive content, including more episodes. You can also email us at glumpuddle at narnyweb.com, brilliant really at narnyweb.com, or jimfinn at com. Have a Merry Christmas, and long live the true king. Until next time, further up and further
0: in. <laughs>